Well, welcome to School Dazed, help for moms and dads of school-age kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. Today we'll be talking about obtaining money for college. And according to the College Board, the average tuition and public for the average tuition at public four-year institutions has risen 213 mm, percent between mm, mm. 1988 and 2013, and private schools has risen 129 percent. And 2.3 billion dollars in Pell grants were left unclaimed in 2017. So, how much did you say? 2.3 billion. That's a billion lot. with a B, like with my dad would say, yeah. <laughs> not with an M. <laughs> Each year, an estimated $46 billion, with a B, in grants and scholarship money is awarded by the U.S. Department of Education and the nation's colleges and universities. With us to help you get some of that $46 billion, with a B, is Valerie Gill, a.k.a. the Scholarship Lady. So let me give you a little bit of background on Valerie. Um, Valerie has worked with students since 2011, assisting them with PSAT prep, educational and resume writing, scholarship writing, and I'm going to call it super early application to college, and she can get into that a little bit more detail. Um, she has uh, assisted more than 1,000 students through the transition from middle school to high school and high school to college. Uh, she has also uh, worked with students as young as 13 years of age to get started on this application process. Um, there's so much more I, I could share, uh, but I just want to say welcome, Valerie, and we're so glad you're here today, and we're really excited to hear what you have to say so that we can help our parents get some money for college. So before we go any further, we always say every week, it takes a village. So if you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag SchoolDazedShow and hashtag IamSchoolDays. And also, we really do want you to be a part of the show. If you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-431-5062. So, without any further ado, let's jump right in. Thanks so much for coming, Valerie. Well, good morning, you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank All you. right. So, I need money for college. <laughs> it costs a whole lot more than when I went to school. Where do I start? Well, like you had indicated earlier, I start with kids at the age of 13. We don't have to wait until students are in 11th and 12th grade. Okay. Because if you're, or when you're awarded the monies, they will hold it for you until you graduate from high school. So, so theoretically. If you, if you get it early, then they'll just, they'll just put it in, and they'll, they'll keep it they'll for keep you. They'll keep it for you. Oh, wow. You hold on to the acceptance letter of being awarded, and they will hold it for you until you graduate from high school. Wow, that's wonderful. So, of course, the goal for parents is start your students early. Let's mm -hmm. have the money sitting and waiting for them. Right. So, can you tell us some of the different types of scholarships that are even available? There are scholarships based on gender, height. Height? Height. There's a tall kid scholarship. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's not wow. just for basketball players? No. <laughs> Young ladies have to be 5'10". And young men have to be 6'2". Okay, I wouldn't have gotten that scholarship. No, That's all right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But a couple of years ago, <laughs> a young lady, 5'2", was awarded because nobody else applied. Because who knows that kind of thing is out there. Right. That's right. They were like, you were the tallest person we could find to apply for. <laughs> that is so true. They're based on gender, height, certain diagnoses. Um, mm, like what kind of diagnoses? Diagnoses ADHD. If you have a 20% hearing loss, if you're left-handed, mm. certain color eyes, but also based certain color on, eyes. Yes. Is there a hazel eye scholarship? There probably is a hazel eye. Man, but also based on your SATs, mm -hmm. based on your GPA, but then there's a lot of general scholarships mm -hmm. where you just have to be a certain age or in a certain grade and be in the United States. So how much are we talking for these kind of obscure, nobody knows about these scholarships, like the Hazel Eyed Scholarship? <laughs> I mean, $1,000. Okay. $2,000. Books and more? 
Yeah, I mean, there is an author who has three or four books, and her highest award is $25,000 just for reading her book and answering a question, and she made the top 10 list of scholarships that sat on the table last year. She gives away 60 scholarships per book, lowest being $50, but the highest being $10,000 or $25,000. I must get mad just listening to you. I know. I didn't try hard enough. How much was left on the table? Uh, Just, you know, so much money we could have had, you know, and especially nowadays just with the cost of tuition and how expensive college is nowadays. And I think about my college uh, University of Pittsburgh, go Pitt Panthers. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's quadrupled in price. It has. Uh, since when I went there for the same degree. You know, so this is very critical. So if you're going to find the Hazel Hyde scholarship and the tall person scholarship, how much time do you, do you expect to put in for finding a, these obscure it's ones? It's a lot of time. Is it like a full-time job? You have to be dedicated. You've got to be consistent. And you have to watch what you're clicking because two or three clicks later and you're off the site that you originally mm-hmm. went on. Mm-hmm. Because when companies have a site, their first line is to sell their product. So you're not going to go on to Burger King dot com and find mm, their scholarship right, mm-hmm. right. you've got to go through a lot of different tabs that they have in order to know here it is but took me two days to find that one and it was under have it your way dot com <laughs> oh have it your way dot com so it can be very challenging for parents who are have minimum time and for students who just don't have that level of patience right the motivation because they right. don't they don't realize what student loans are going to do to them. Right. They don't get <laughs> down the line. at all. Right. So what is the FAFSA and why do parents need to know about it? And how is it relevant to obtaining money for school? FAFSA is a free federally funded program. Okay. Everyone should apply. Does senior year of your student getting ready to go to college and every year thereafter while they are in college. These are grants that come from the government. It's free money. They don't have a ceiling on how much a household can make or how many people are in that household. So I suggest and recommend strongly that every family apply every single year you have a student in college as well as yourself. There are scholarships for parents who go back to school as well as FAFSA money for those parents as well. Oh, so you could be, you know, in your 30s, 40s and beyond and say, I want to go back to school. Then they should apply for FAFSA as well? As well. I have a mother-daughter team in Atlanta and the daughter's 12th grade and the mom's going for her graduate degree and I'm working with both of them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So you're telling me that someone who makes... $25,000 a year versus $250,000 a year should apply? Both families should apply because the $200,000 a year family may have four kids, Mm -hmm. two of them in college and one about to go to college. So everybody's financial situation is different. Right, right. Okay. Let the government say no. We shouldn't make that decision for anybody or for ourselves because we don't know what the parameters are. Yeah, that, that's good Don't to make know. the decision for And the as government. you indicated earlier, how much of that grant money sits on the table? So right. It's over $2 billion. Yeah, right. People so, are not applying. Wow. That's a shame. And probably because people, like you said, they, they, they pre-disqualify themselves right. before, you know, they get a chance to make the decision and so that money just sits there. Don't let the go- don't don't make the decision for the government that they're not going to give you the that's money. That's right. Yeah. Because you don't know. It doesn't hurt to fill it out. Even if students are going to college during the summer, you can get FAFSA money for summer as well. Good. Now, is this a lengthy form to fill out? It's online. Uh Uh-huh. Because we didn't have that. It is a secured site because they do ask for tax information. Okay. So I would recommend the student and the parent sitting together. Okay. Your local community colleges normally offer the service to assist the parents and the student at no cost. 
Oh wow! So so you can go to your local community college and and there's somebody there to say, hey, let me help you walk through this, and it's right it's in no the financial cost. aid office. Okay. Oh, that's great. But if they don't reach out that way, parent and student need to sit together to get it done because the left side the tab changes from student to parent okay and the questions are the same so if a student sees are you married do you have children you're on the wrong they're automatically saying no but that could be the parent that they're talking about or it could be the student they're talking about unfortunately i did have a student fill in his dad's financial information for himself he was automatically denied oh no because he really didn't make over seventy thousand that year so i'm going to do an amendment with them Uh i'm going to sit down and do an amendment and what happens is you can click an irs tab when you're doing the FAFSA application and it will go and pull the financial information that was submitted to the IRS for the previous year's taxes. So you don't have to worry about looking at a 1040A going, what line are they asking me Mm -hmm. to put the information in for now? Okay, gotcha. When they pull that information, they get information on how many dependents are in the household, if it's a two-family income or one-family income. So that's how the government makes the determination Mm -hmm. who's a and how much they're awarded okay and now the FAFSA for the Pell Grant is $6,095 right they will split that into two semesters so you won't get that amount of money the first semester and then decide you don't want to go back to college the second semester (laughs) right right you will get half of it the first semester you'll get half of it the second semester okay so when I was going to college I remember um, I asked my father to stop claiming me on his tax return so that I could claim independence and get the full Pell Grant. Is that still a thing? No. No. Okay. Because you can't independently take care of yourself. Uh-huh. So what you're submitting is your part-time salary hours. The government knows that you're dependent of somebody. Uh-huh. So stay independent of your parents. I think it's up to age 26 now if you are still in college. Mm-hmm. Your parents get the deduction as well as being able to file for the FAFSA, you can still file your W-2 and get that little bit of money back, but you are still considered a dependent of your family. Okay, okay. So in the intro, we mentioned the Pell Grant. So can you talk about what that is and how you get it, how you qualify for it? The Pell Grant, as well as thousands of other grants, come through you applying through that FAFSA application. So you can't get it any other way. You have to apply for the FAFSA, and now they're starting students as early as September and October in their 12th grade year. Wow. So apply. They're going to pull the previous year's tax return to make that determination. But you have to apply every single year before March 15th to make sure that there's eligible funding for you. You can apply after March 15th. I was able to... Um, assist a parent in June and she was able to immediately find out that her son qualified. But once you qualify for the FAFSA for the Pell Grant, which is coming from the government, you don't have to pay it back. It puts you on the list for so many other grants that are out there. Mm -hmm. Like there's a first time grant in Texas and a second time grant in Texas. That's your first year in college, your second year in college. That's in addition to the Pell Grant. But because so many colleges are offering free tuition, not free room and board, but free tuition, it's based on the fact that you've actually applied for the FAFSA. Okay. So it opens up a lot of additional financial opportunities just by applying. Excellent. And they don't have to do anything additional to get it. They just apply for FAFSA, and then that opens up this door, which opens up another door behind it, right. another, another door behind that, without any other effort on their own. Just do that once, and that opens up multiple doors. Yes. Now, does having a job as a student affect your financial aid package that you receive? Not normally. Because it goes, it includes your income. So do they it give does you include less your possibly? income? But normally you're not working more than 20 hours right. a week. Right. So how much you're making $7 an hour, $8 an hour, maybe $10 an hour. And you may not be doing that consistently if you have sports or if you're in choir or drill team. So working 
won't hurt your situation. They just have to be mindful. We don't want it to hurt our grades. We don't want to get a C because we're working so much. We're not studying properly. We want to still maintain our A's and B's. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how does a student qualify for merit-based scholarships? Merit-based scholarships are definitely based on your GPA. So that's why I start with students at the age of 13, because we want them to understand the importance of the transcript. It's not a report card anymore. Mm -hmm. That transcript will be with you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So going into ninth grade, if we understand our grades count, when we start applying for merit-based scholarships, those A's and B's are already there. Okay. You know, yeah. your volunteer hours are already there. Yeah. You know, your extracurricular activities. So they start to develop this whole process so that they are eligible for different types of scholarships and merit-based being one of them. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important to start prepping early so that when they get to ninth grade, they're already hitting the ground running. Right. And then their academic transcripts reflect the work they've been putting in beforehand. Correct. So when they get there, then it's just, hey, well, look, look what they've been doing since ninth grade or since fifth grade or whatever they've been doing as well. So it sounds like you're saying that your the extracurricular activities count when it comes to scholarships. Talk a little bit about that. Extracurricular activities as well as community service. Mm -hmm. So being in student council, being a football player, being on drill team, it shows a diversity of the student. Colleges don't want just 4.0 students. 4.0 is awesome, but they also want to know that their step teams are going to be filled and their student council clubs are going to be filled because it's a whole city within itself that has all of the things that you have at high school amplified. So they don't, they want you to go to the games, you know, they, mm -hmm. they want you to participate in all of the different clubs and organizations that they offer on their campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, and I'll lean to you on this. Uh, I was doing some research about funding at schools about, you know, there's one big, there's a pool of money for all the financial aid they're going to give. And we'll talk about need-based in a second, but there's merit-based and need-based and before there was a kind of more of a leaning towards need base, but now it's kind of evening out, um, a more like a 50-50 split. But because there's more students that have financial need, that, that dilutes how much money they get as compared to a student who gets a merit base because typically fewer students are going to qualify for the merit-based scholarships in colleges, that there is a larger pot of money uh, which is being allocated per student because there's fewer students that fit that category versus the general need base. Am I am I off on that? You know, this is what I've been hearing and reading about in some of the stuff I've been in my my bootleg research I've been doing. <laughs> well, and the need base is definitely always going to be there. Right. The merit base, they're qualifiers. So what happens to the money that's allocated for merit base when there's not that many students who actually qualify for that money? Hmm. Now, there is a particular scholarship that I was made aware of where there is money left on the table at our universities and our colleges that academically weren't satisfied, merit-based weren't satisfied, or even need-based weren't satisfied, where kids are commended because of getting A's and B's and doing volunteer hours. And they put all of their grades, ninth grade to 12th grade, every single class in to this particular scholarship and the different colleges will say, well, I'm going to give him a hundred dollars for that day. I'll give him $200 for that day. So that this way, um, the money that's sitting there, how they allocate it is now going to be based upon this particular scholarship. So students are being rewarded for the positiveness that they've done while in high school. Wow. Wow. So even great. working as well as community service hours, uh, extracurricular, whether it's sports or clubs or organizations. So I've started to use that a lot with our ninth graders and 10th graders so that they understand, wow, I can get money for getting an A in class, getting a B in class. Right. And, you know, because a lot of times kids struggle with, well, you know, well, 
Why do I need to care? Why do I need to worry about my grades? Well, literally, it can cost you money. Right. Um, And your high school years are really the stepping stone to your college future. Yeah. And financially, now it plays a major factor because the better your grades, the more money we can get. That's Um, incredible. So talk a little bit about the need-based side and kind of how that all works and The need base is financial, but it's also based on what the salary is of the household, as well as how many students are in that household. So if you have one student and the family's making 200,000, but they still can't afford, that need base calculator equation may not work out too well. Right. But if there's four students and there's stair steps, one is going to college year after year, it's gonna come a time where all four kids are in college at one time. Mm-hmm. So need base wise, I don't care how much the parents make that that's going to be a financial hit because mm-hmm. your average school is running about twenty thousand dollars a year now. Mm-hmm. Some of them are up to fifty and sixty thousand dollars a year. Right. So the need base is real, but we have to fill out our applications properly. Once they qualify, there's going to be a minimum of 12 hours that the student has to maintain. And I think they're moving that standard up to 15 hours, 15 credit hours to make you a full-time student. Okay. used to be 12. I think it's going up to 15. You have to stay full-time and you can't fail any classes. Mm -hmm. But that money is there. We have to apply and we have to apply properly and on time. Can you, and this is kind of an aside here, but can you share of some horror stories of kids who of a child no names but who had they had it made and blew it um a lot of times i was given a stack of scholarships after i did a presentation at a church and i gave them to my students and said this is almost guaranteed money fill them out i'll edit your essays they never submitted them on time yeah. They oh. forgot to submit a transcript. They didn't follow the instructions of 12-point font, double space. Just those little simple things. It's the little things that matter. And unfortunately, our students read most of the instructions. Yeah. But not all of the instructions. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, and a lot of it is due to deadlines that they don't need, and then they wind up missing out on so much money. Yeah, I remember when I was in school, uh, a member of my church, she reached out to me, and she was um, on the board of the NAACP. And she said, David, look, we have a $1,500 scholarship. She said, nobody has applied at all. You fill it out. You will get the money. I was like, oh, word? (laughs) Right. I filled that out, and I got that at least two or three years in a row. Uh, There was another one I applied for. I was going to graduate school. Uh, This was for – I moved here to Texas to go to grad school. Uh, This was for a scholarship for people who uh, who were getting their master's in schools in the Midwest, like in Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania and schools around there. I just called the – person who was in charge of it and i said um i qualify for this part of the scholarship but i but the school i'm going to is not here i said would you consider me Hmm. for the scholarship i know i'm not supposed to be qualified she said let me get back to you she gave me the scholarship that was a five thousand dollar scholarship i got every year for four wow years while i was working on my master's yes. four years yeah it was a four years master's degree well it took me seven well that's the only that's okay that's that's story. That's but i got okay. it. <laughs> so the last three i didn't get i, I tried to call for 50 They're like no your money's ran out i was right. a little sad about that but <laughs> but the point is is that you know there's like you said there's this money laying on the table it sits no on one the table you know, and so, so to that point, what is the best way to go into your community and find these scholarships? Where do you start? You can go online to your chamber of commerces mm. as well as to your community foundations. I have a student in Kansas City, and she said, "Well, they told me about this community foundation. I don't know, but I don't think I qualify for any of them." So I asked her to give me the information. I looked it up. I'm online doing a workshop with her, a session. 
and there were 37 scholarships. But you, I had to open every single one and make sure she made the GPA requirement. She was a U.S. citizen. She, you know, not in suspension at her school. There were different qualifiers. So far, she qualifies for 17 of those 37. Wow. Oh so we weekly are working on the essay portion. I edit every essay and then making sure that we submit exactly what they're asking for for each individual one. But that's money that's just there. How many kids don't know that that money is there? They don't. So many. I did not know. And so, it ends up costing parents. I'm getting mad too. So much more money. Right. Yeah, I'm getting a little salty myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but also it's a lot of more accessible now too because of the internet and, you know, right. compared to. It is. We just have to be careful because there are scams everywhere. Could you talk about that for a second? Right. When you go for a scholarship, so like, um, Olive Garden has one called Pasta Abilities, and you type <laughs> that, that you type that into Google. When you go to click, you need to make sure you're on Olive Garden site right. because there are so many other sites that will grab it and say, "Well, come to our site, and we'll let you apply for that as well." Right. So if you're not watching what site you're on, you wind up getting on these other sites that are trying to advertise and sell you other things, and you never even find the actual application. So you just have to make sure that you're on the proper site. And when you go to apply, you should never put your social security number on any application scholarship wise online. Could you say that one more time? Never put your social security number students, regardless to age, 13 to 55, 13 to 60. Do not put your social security number on these online applications. The only area you will do that is when you're doing FAFSA and when you're doing your applications through applytexas.org, commonapp.org, and now we have a black commonapp.org, which has HBCU schools, and there's one flat fee of $35 to apply for as many HBCU schools as you want to now for our audience some may not know what that means so what is an hbcu just so that everyone you know may not know what that Raise means on the so. same page You're right yeah. it's our black colleges okay it's our historical black universities as well as colleges and when you go to apply to college it's a fee per college anywhere ranging from $35 to $125. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times students don't apply to college because the family can't afford right. the application fees. Well, now wow. with our HBCUs, our historically black colleges and universities, they say for $35, you can apply for as many colleges that are on that website. Awesome. Now, I typically... One question an episode is not on script. This better be good, Bailey. Yeah. Oh, it, <laughs> hey, it, hey, you know I do. <laughs> so, in regards to historically black colleges and universities, I've been hearing that there's a rise of, that there's been a stigma that, you know, HBCUs is only for black students. What I've been hearing, though, is that there have been more non-African-American students applying to these schools and getting financial aid um, to go to historically black colleges that there's a there, there is a, a large uptick in students that are not African-American that are going there and getting financial aid uh, as a result of it because they're an underrepresented population on that campus and you know historically uh for many of the schools the the cost of tuition is cheaper um than other schools are and so people are kind of getting on to hbcus could you talk about that for a second do you know anything about that well what you know about that all <laughs> colleges are businesses mm -hmm. so if you look at their p l statement they need so many students just to cover their overhead mm -hmm. and then those additional students is their profit well if our culture is not applying for our HBCUs and they're not making the mark financially. They've opened up the doors even more so for other ethnicities to apply. Mm -hmm. And then there's money sitting on the table. So now they're offering that funding 
for those non African American students. Yeah. We need to apply. You yeah. know, the diversity is there because less African Americans are applying for the HBCU schools. Right. They want to stay open. So now they're offering other opportunities to other ethnic groups. Right. So just to say historically black does not mean exclusively black. Right. <laughs> that anyone can apply. So just uh, just something to think about um, <coughs> audience members. And this is probably why they have now created the black common application and offering one flat fee of $35 to apply to as many HBCUs as you want to. That's awesome. Interesting. We do have a Facebook Live question. Okay, awesome. Um, Waddell Simon would like to know, is it good to apply early while in junior year of high school? In my program, students will apply to college <coughs> before they walk through the door as a senior in high school. So June, July, and August. As soon as those schools' applications open, yes, apply. Start getting acceptance letters in September and October. But also, after you apply to the schools, make sure we're applying for the scholarships as well. Because now that puts you at top of the list for the scholarships. But it also then gives you an opportunity to fill out your housing application so that, especially our young ladies, can get the housing that they want where they're sharing a bathroom with maybe one or two or five young ladies as opposed to a group. So there is definitely a benefit in applying early. We can go to our college board account. We can pull those colleges and we can look at the dates of when their applications open. Do that in 11th grade. And then before you walk through the door of 12th grade, make sure you've applied to all your schools and all the scholarships that those schools offer. Do it all at one time. The go back doesn't always work. Oh, I'll do that later. I'll take care of that. Do it all at one time. Yeah. You know, so this has me thinking about also, okay, so we have to cover tuition, <laughs> but there's also room and board as well. You know, you think, well, if I got tuition covered, I'm, I'm ready to go. But if I have nowhere to live or any food to eat, <laughs> true, then I'm so um, can you talk about just the importance of making sure that all of that is covered as well? New York has offered, I guess the last six months, they dropped the information saying, if you live in New York, you can go to any public college tuition free. I'm sorry, what did you say? New York has New York. said out loud that you can go to any public college or university if you live in New York mm -hmm. tuition free. So now all you have to worry about is room and board. So then everybody here in Texas was asking me, so what's going on? What's Texas going to do? Rice University, $130,000 or less, less in your yeah, household, right. free tuition. 15 other colleges in Texas said free tuition based on household income, but it's also based on the fact that you filled out your FAFSA. FAFSA goes back to the FAFSA again. So they're trying to take tuition off the table. So then all you have to worry about is room and board. Wow. With books, we can rent books. Mm -hmm. We can do books online. Right. We can get used books. For your, your personal expenses, parents can control that. And your transportation expenses, parents can control as well. Right. So there are colleges that are giving you free tuition. This is why I work with students at the age of 13, because we want those A's and B's on that transcript. Right. Wow, that's incredible. Um, another option, um, just going back to my experience in college, I was a resident assistant. That's awesome. And I tell kids about that all the time. It's, it's a great you know, resume builder uh, while you're in college. And, you know, I didn't pay a dime to live on campus. I, I applied my second semester of sophomore year, and there was a weird opening that actually opened up in my sophomore year, which typically you don't, they take juniors and seniors. So I was spring break of my sophomore year. They asked me to come on campus. So I said, bye, mom and dad. Right. <laughs> and, and I went on campus, and, and it was a great experience, you know, to, you know, to get that and, you know, the struggles of managing your accounts and 
<laughs> and you got a private room, correct? Yes, yes. Were no. you able to bring your dog? Uh, well, I didn't have a dog. Okay, so if you have a dog, you can bring your dog, and they cover your meal plan. Well, I'm sorry, you can bring your dog. You can bring your dog. I'm sorry, what did you just say? You can bring your dog. A you dog. get a private room, you can bring your dog, and you get a free meal plan. And for guys, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. A free meal plan. Yes. What's happening with our colleges is that your junior and senior year, you want to get off campus. Right, right. And you want to go live in this apartment <clears throat> complex. So this resident assistant RA option is helping to keep juniors and seniors on campus. In your situation, you weren't on campus at all. So they figured if they could grab you in your sophomore year, you're going to be on campus until you graduate. Right. 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 So it, it's a win-win in both, you know, on both sides. Yeah, yeah. It was a definitely a. We'll have to talk about that in another episode. It's an interesting experience being a resident assistant. All the type of stuff you see there, but it but it was great, and I you know truly enjoyed it, and enjoyed being there, and you know you know just getting to know people, and everything. I had one more semester after I was done, after my RA eligibility came up, mm-hmm. I had one more semester. So I had to go back home and commute. But that's okay. You know, it kept, kept me motivated. But with an RA option, if you have tuition covered because of your financial situation mm-hmm. or because you just went to one of those specific schools that right. covered tuition, now become a resident assistant it's all for and you get your housing and your meal plan, you're just paying for books now. Right, right. It's just a matter of working the system to our benefit applying early meeting deadlines reading instructions we can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students that's amazing you know i think of schools like rice you know that's i mean in my opinion you know one of the if not the best schools in the state of texas that's right and you know it it, does consider an elite school uh and people can go there for free that's right. Um, as well. Uh, so what are the advantages of looking for smaller scholarships versus the home run scholarships? Um, is there one way you should bend towards the other or kind of a go, kind of spray it out at all of them? Or what's your take on that? Well, all scholarships are like a lottery. You got to be in it to win it. But when we're talking community and we're talking local, then your chances to win are a lot greater. Right. So when there are federations and chambers and different organizations that are offering locally, you definitely need to apply. When it's your colleges that are offering, you definitely need to apply. The bigger scholarships, the opportunity is still there. They still have to award somebody somebody the money, especially if students apply. This is why for the Tall Kids Scholarship, a young lady that was 5'2", won. (laughs) It just still blows me away. (laughs) Locally, just increases your chances to win but that doesn't mean you shouldn't apply for the larger scholarships as well right so you know go for the gates millennial scholarship and go for your local lions club that's scholarship. right you know there's some for fraternities and sororities um you know there's also some it's legacy can you talk about legacy scholarships um there are legacy scholarships that are available i have been aware of some of them mm-hmm. but not that's not not that it's not my concentration. I just haven't been given those to work with students yeah, on. You know, but then there's also the battle of, you know, does your child want to go to the same school that right. that you went to? And a lot of times they may not want to go there uh, as well. And that's probably a whole other topic about where their children go to school versus where the parents may want them to go to school. But that's not the topic for another day. <laughs> well, and one of the things I do explain to students is – Base your decision on your major, not on your parents went or, you know, they're the D1 for football or basketball. But academically, go to Google, put in pediatrician and find those top schools that offer that particular program within your state first. Because right. it's always going to be cheaper to stay within your state unless you get your out-of-state fees waived, depending on the different colleges outside of your state. Yeah. But let's go to colleges that have our major as opposed to having to transfer two years in because there's no nursing program at the school that you chose because your friends are going there. Right. Or it's not a good 
program. Right. You know, so sometimes the reputation of the school, yeah, that's important, but the reputation of that department within the school, like, for example, you know, at the University of Pittsburgh, when I was there, they were ranked the number two department of philosophy in the nation behind Princeton. Wow. So Princeton was number one and Pitt was number two. Who would have known? Right. You know, and um, there are some probably some great schools out there that people have not even heard of or would have even considered, but they have great majors uh, in a particular fields that they're looking for. So that's a really, really good point to, to consider there. Um, so we talked about, oh, we got that one. Uh, so, how do you make sure you don't become ineligible for scholarships? Now, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but how do we make sure that, just to ensure that people don't miss out on that money? Stay out of trouble. Do not get put on mm. suspension in high school. You mm. go to school to learn. <clears throat> That's what you need to do. If that means sitting in front of the classroom, so you're not in the back with all of your friends, sit in front of the classroom. Okay. Make sure you're working toward A's and B's. If you need assistance, there's always teachers at school. There's different tutoring companies. Noggin Educational Coaching. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, Um, sorry. (laughs) But also, this is your career. It starts in ninth grade. Can you say that again? This is your career, students. Even though parents put a lot of pressure on their students, this is your career. It starts in ninth grade. What you make of it determines what level of education you get thereafter high school. You want to get into Rice? Let's look at the stats for Rice. Mm. Right. They want you to be top 25%. They want your SAT scores to be over 1,000. Let's start working that now instead of waiting till 12th grade year going, I'm not going to be able to go anywhere. Right. Mm. I'm not going to even be eligible because my GPA is a 1.9. We have to start in ninth grade and we just get better as time goes on. If you screwed up in ninth grade, there's still 10th, 11th, and 12th. Don't give up on yourself. Right. You want to be eligible for as many scholarships as possible. And a lot of them don't even have a GPA, but some of the good ones do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you want to make sure you're hanging with a 2.5 or higher all the time. 3.0 is better. 3.5 is better. But you don't want to be ineligible based on academic suspension or getting kicked out of your school or dropping classes so now you're running credits short you're not going to graduate on time as well as take your extracurricular activities do some volunteering diversify yourself so you can enjoy high school but it also qualifies you for so many more scholarships than the next person who doesn't want to do anything yeah you know what i what i was encouraged uh, particularly juniors and seniors to do is we want to make sure that they're taking college preparatory courses. Yes. Um, Could you talk about the importance of that, especially when they're heading into their senior year? Why that's so important to people think, oh, okay, I've made it. I'm here. Let me take um, math for life. (laughs) (laughs) Math for life? Not literally, but, you know. (laughs) What he's saying is pottery. Basket weaving. But yes. Yes. You know, or just patty, I mean, patty cake level courses. Um, and why that's, that's so important as well. Your AP classes and your dual credit <coughs> classes help to prepare you for college. If you just take straight math 101, math 2, math 3, math 4, as soon as you get into college and you're taking college algebra, it's going to kick you and it's going to kick you hard. Right. But Mm -hmm. also, there's a benefit for dual credit classes taken in 11th and 12th grade within your state because we had a student from my church walk across that high school stage with her high school diploma and her associate's degree. So Mm -hmm. she just took two years of college financial funding off of her parents' table. She only had two more years to go. But you want to take college-based classes because you want to get yourself prepared for what to expect when you get to college. Right. Now, elective-wise, I will say take electives in 11th and 12th grade in the major that you think you want to go to college for. 
mm-hmm. so that you can see if you even like what you think you want to go to college for. Because yeah. doing a transfer or changing your major in college, your second or third year in, is a very expensive change. So take those classes when you're in high school so that you can say, well, I, I really don't like, I don't want to be a doctor, all this math, all this science, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Take those electives, but take your AP and your dual credit classes. Challenge yourself while you're in yeah. high school. Those classes don't cost. You get to college and you're taking these classes and you're failing. You're going to have to take it again and you're going to have to pay for it again. Mm-hmm. So it is a benefit to take them in high school. So what's what scholarship websites do you recommend? There are tons. Right. I do recommend going directly to the different companies like BurgerKing.com and, and Olive Garden. Of Olive, Olive Garden is my favorite restaurant, so that's why I keep using <laughs> it. But there is something called Unigo.com. U-N-I-G-O.com. And you will fill out a personal profile. And then you will see all of the different scholarships that will be available for your individual profile. Gender, height, uh, what your GPA is, what your SAT scores. And for the younger students, they may not be awarded. Well, they may not have a 100 different scholarships available. But by the time they're in 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade, those numbers of available scholarships to them will be there. But this site also offers you a monthly scholarship to apply for starting at age 13 all the way up to graduate school. So the one for February is called Sweet and Simple. They want 250 words or less. And whenever it says or less, don't give them 35 words. We're asking for free (laughs) money, guys. So I tell my students at least half of the max. So 125 words, sweet and simple. Name a gift that you received that wasn't extravagant or very expensive, but meant something to you and why. Mm -hmm. 125 words, they're giving away $1,500 to somebody. They have one uh, called, it's a flavor of ice cream. If you could be any flavor of ice cream, what flavor would you be and why? You're kidding. So I tell the students, we don't want strawberry, chocolate, or vanilla. Go to Google. You'd be surprised how many flavors are out there. I had a ninth grader say he wanted to be Hot Cheetos ice cream. We went to YouTube. We watched a Hot Cheetos ice cream making video, and we listed every ingredient. I want to look that and up. then he compared his personality to the ingredients. That's awesome. Wow. So you have to think about the person sitting on the other side of the table reading these. They have to be exciting. They've got to be out of the box because you want someone to say, Hot Cheetos, that's an awesome flavor. And he compared his personality to the different ingredients. That's, that's wow. how we win scholarships, Very, guys. That, that's right. Well, on that note, um, we want to know what kind of things you've got going on. So tell us how we can contact you. How can we get more of you? How, yeah. Um, you can go to my website, which is scholarshipladyusa.com. Okay, can you say that one more time? Scholarshipladyusa.com. Okay. I'm also on LinkedIn, Valerie Gill. But I have Instagram, which Instagram, which is <laughs> the underscore scholarship underscore lady. I do have two Facebook accounts. Okay. As well as my cell number is 817-823-4679. I work with students locally. I work with students throughout the United States. I've been blessed to get my first international student from Nigeria. So I do online. I have a Google Classroom. I do small groups. I do personal one-on-ones. And I just dropped a product on FaceTime Studios where you can get the do-it-yourself, step-by-step instruction modules for every different service that I provide, which is assisting students with creating their educational resume, setting up their college board account, their Khan Academy account. Khan Academy helps you practice your SATs at home. So Um, this noggin. Yes. As well as doing a college grid. So all of those templates are there, step-by-step instructions 
from me. Yeah. Um, and you also get access to my database that I've created over the last eight years for a monthly fee. And I'm adding to it on a daily basis. So kids really don't have to look for scholarships anymore. Just look yeah. me up and you'll get access to the database. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. But we do want to thank you. This was a wealth of information. I hope that anybody that uh, has kids in high school or in college is listening or will listen because you can listen to this if you have missed our show and you are listening to us on our podcast. You find us on Spotify, on Google Play Music, on Apple Apple Podcasts, and on Stitcher. Um, But we always want to let you know a few things that are going on with Noggin. So with Noggin Educational Foundation, just for a dollar a day of giving, you can get $75 and 75 books, semester of tutoring for a student or summer program or summer program supplies. And David, what's going on with Noggin Educational Coaching? So as I mentioned last week, um, if you email me at info at schooldays.com. Um, I can send you the webinar slipped five shifts that every family must make to avoid an academic slip to avoid an academic slip. And the whole purpose of it is to kind of go behind the curtains and work with families to show them how to support their kids from home and give them the resources and support that they need so that they can you know a lot of the battle happens at home. We want to make sure that parents are set up to have their kids be successful academically at home so they can get the scholarships uh, <laughs> to go to college. Is that just for people who are struggling? Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, there's a misconception that, well, my child has good grades, but at some point they're going to need some other tools besides just natural talent. And so we show we show parents how to help their kids to develop those. You know, even think about it, even I hate to say it, like Tom Brady's great, but Tom Brady has a coach, right. and <laughs> that's why he's great. Um, and so we want to coach, uh, no matter where you are in your journey, we want to show you how to support your kids from home. So please email us, and I'll be more than happy to send that over to you. Well, thanks, babe. So You're next welcome, week's, sweetheart. <laughs> next week's show, David and I will be talking about ideas to keep your child occupied and happy, maybe happy, over the spring break. And we'll hear from a few representatives from spring break camps and find out what they have in store and um, some just ideas about things that you can do with your kids over spring break because you know sometimes there's it can be a little stressful knowing that that week-long vacations coming up and you're not sure what you're going to do with them so we have some great ideas for you and as always you can head to our website schooldazedshow.com for more information and uh, remember you don't ever have to miss a show you can um, download our podcast and subscribe to us anywhere And please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin, and Noggin is N-O-G-G-I-N, at Noggin Foundation. So we always want to end our show by saying that we are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and the strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Y'all have a great week.